Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Thank you so much. Justin, love you, man. You're awesome. And uh, my little man Judah is here with me. And uh, we call him Judah on the good days. Judas when he's bad. And Judy when he's whining, right? No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. He's the best. Honestly, no one I'd rather travel with, my little travel companion here today. So you're the best. To Jen and Justin, honestly, how many guys know you've been blessed with the best? And uh, they're honestly, well, I could just share the same sentiment, obviously. We get up here and we just like, you know, we go, oh, man, you guys are awesome. No, you're awesome. And it's, but it really is true. You've got an amazing church and some great soil to plant yourself into. So if you call Vivid Home, Man, you're blessed if you're yet to kind of discover a home for you and you're kind of just checking us out. Can I just encourage you? It's a great place to throw down and to, and to call home. So, uh, I mean, and how aggressive are you guys? Three locations in just a couple of years. I just honestly am so inspired by what God's doing here in the West Coast. Hashtag best coast. And uh, it's good, man. So, hey, thanks for having me. It is a pleasure to be here with you guys today. I'd love to encourage you, you with, uh, you know, the time that we have together. My time is short. Hashtag just like the devil's. Right? Hey. Uh, I'll stop with the bad jokes. Um, but listen, I'd love to encourage you guys. And uh, I know that obviously you guys as a, as a community have been taking new ground and, and really advancing in many ways. And I'm sure that many of you could relate to what is happening corporately, maybe on an individual level. I believe that God wants to advance you. I believe that he wants to take you forward into the future of what he has for you. There's plans and purposes that are not to harm you, but to give you hope and a great future, right? And so I honestly am believing that God's going to lead you and direct you into that. And uh, that you're going to come into great days and that God's favor is going to be mightily at work in your life in 2019. But, uh, you know, I, I just, before I get going here this morning, I do want to just send some love for my wife. My wife sends a lot of love. She is, I was just saying to Joel, uh, she is probably the, 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 like, the most joyful uh, person you'll ever meet. And she kind of laughs her way through life. And so I called her today and said, hey, how was service? She's like, <laughs> it was the best day ever. I was like, okay, cool. That's, so that's my wife. And that kind of joy is just meets you here today. She wants us to say you guys are awesome and that she wishes she was here. Vancouver happens to be, don't tell anybody, one of her favorite cities in the world. Uh, but we're planted in Ottawa, so it's the greatest. I want you to know that. Uh, but we do love your city. And uh, obviously, we love our friends here as well. So it feels like fam away from home. And you know what I'm saying? And uh, so honestly, thank you guys for being such an incredible community, an incredible cute, uh, crew to us. We love you. Um, Hey, here's the deal. What we're going to talk about today, I'm going to tell a message, and I always think that titles are important, all right? So we're going to call this one Called Me, maybe, okay? And uh, we're going to call that one. And uh, as you can imagine, I want to talk about your calling. And, uh, and so we're going to call this one Called Me, maybe, and we're going to hashtag it hello from the other side, okay? And I'd love to talk to you around the story of the demoniac man. Uh, a maniac who was turned missionary in the book of Mark, and obviously he's talked about throughout the Synoptic Gospels themselves. However, I want to zero in on in the, in the, in the, in the writer of Mark to kind of look into his life and, and how that could maybe encourage some of us here today. Um, there might be some of you here to say, what do I have in, in common with a demoniac? Well, everyone's got their demons, I suppose, right? I know that's not theologically correct. Uh, if you're going to email anyone, just email Justin afterwards, okay? But, uh, the reality is, is that, you know, the truth is I think that we can relate to his journey a little bit in, this, in the story of Jesus coming to bring freedom to his life. You know, I don't know if you're familiar, but there's a lot of people in churches across America today living a saved existence, a saved life. 
The Bible actually says in 2 Timothy 1.9 that God saved us and he has called us according not to anything that we've performed or done, but according to his good purpose and grace. So what I love about that is the differential between saved and called. You see, the reality is most of us are still here alive and well, sucking air, because we have a purpose to fulfill. There's a calling on your life that God has put and deposited in your world, a set of gifts and talents that I believe he wants to see you use to the glory of God. He wants to see you use your strength for service and not necessarily for status. However, I will say status can be used for good purpose in Jesus' name. But you hear that sentiment of what I'm trying to get across. I believe that each and every one of you matter and that you've got something unique across your life that the world needs. But as you begin to outwork not just what it means to live a saved life, to throw your feet up and wait for Jesus to come back, but to actually get into the trenches of life and, and walk through the trials of life with the people in your world to help bring freedom and the hope that you have found in Jesus to them. How many of you guys know that is going to present an entirely different set of circumstances and situations that could, in fact, uh, you know, scare and intimidate some of you? Salvation is free, they say. Discipleship costs you everything. I could put it like this, salvation is free and found in Jesus. But as you begin to walk and journey with Jesus, how many of you guys know we are going to share a level in his sufferings as well? And we're going to, you know, and, but aren't you glad that we serve a God who might, he doesn't send us into the deep end alone, but he, he journeys with us, already gone before us and led the way. So he's not asking us to do anything that he isn't already side by side done himself and empowering us to do by his good grace. So what I want to do today is, Encourage somebody here today who might be on the journey with Jesus to outworking what is across your life and, and doing what you can kind of expect in five points. Does that sound good? And my encouragement to you today is I want to encourage somebody here. I feel like I'm on assignment to encourage somebody that is on the brink of quitting, that might be on the brink of saying, you know what, that's it. It's been too hard. It's been too great. I don't know if this cost is, you know, it's, it's a high cost, but, you know, I don't know if I can maintain the high call because of the high cost. I want to encourage somebody here today to stay the course. To know that God is with you. He's gone before you, and Jesus happens to be in your boat. So if you will, uh, let's turn to Mark chapter 4. Let's begin to get into things here today. And uh, we'll have fun together. Amen? Come on, do you like who you're sitting next to in church this morning? Come on, why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, I've been praying all week that I'd sit next to you. (laughs) Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 4, verse 35, it says, Jesus speaking, uh, sorry, of Jesus in the city of Capernaum. It says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, hey guys, let's go over to the other side. Everyone say, hello, from the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, everyone say crowd. crowd. He left the crowd behind. He took them along just as he was in the boat. There along with him were other boats. And it says, suddenly a furious squall came up against them and waves began to beat against the boat and break over their boat. So it was that they were nearly swamped. Jesus in the stern, sleeping on a cushion, was found sleeping on a, sorry, I always screw this part up. He was found in the stern of the boat, sleeping on a cushion. And it says this, it says, when he, sorry, was there, Jesus in the stern, sleeping on a cushion, the disciples woke him and said, teacher, don't you care that we drown and are, are found drowning in this moment? I don't know if you can share the sentiment with these guys. Jesus, I'm just trying to serve you. I launched out in this new initiative with this crazy guy named Justin Reimer and Jen Reimer. And, you know, and Dustin and, and, and Tessa, is it? Your, your other half? Come on, man. And, uh, you know, these guys, you know, I just want to serve God. And, man, it seems like all hell turned against me. And do you even care about my welfare that I'm drowning? Has anybody out there? And so what happens is they find themselves in a very similar situation. So Jesus got up, rebuked the wind and the waves. He said, quiet, be still. And the wind died down. And so it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you guys so afraid? And so then it says they came immediately to the other side of the sea, to the region of the Gadarenes. Everyone say Gadarenes. Interesting little, uh, you know, fun fact is the word Gadarenes means the place of the reward at the end. 
the replace of the reward at the end. That's going to be real powerful and mean something in a few moments. But, to, you know, let's, let's give you a little spoiler alert. Uh, Philippians 3, Paul says, I forget that which is behind. I press on toward the goal of the prize, the reward of the upward call in Christ Jesus. How many guys know that if you're going to live a called life, there is a prize to be obtained. There is a reward for fulfilling the call across your life. There is a reward to be obtained and to be experienced. There is something that is so incredible that God wants to lead you into. Your future is exciting. It's not something that's going to be burdensome and always kind of trucking it through the trenches. And No, this is going to be something that God wants to give you something you're going to be like, dude, this is amazing. And so it says, he brought them to the regions of the gatherings, a place of the reward at the end. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and nobody could bind this guy, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains and the chains would just be pulled apart by him and the shackles broken into pieces because nobody could tame this guy. He was untamable. He was a wild animal, in essence, is literally what some of the, the Greek language would, would give language to. And always, night and day, this guy was in the mountains and in the tombs, in the high places and the low places. The only buddy who was up one day, down the next. This is this deal, crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him there. And he said, cried out with a loud voice and said, Why, what have you come to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. Interesting, isn't it? He's already incredibly conflicted and tormented and under great turmoil. What is Jesus to do with, what are you talking about? But how many guys know this isn't the man speaking, there's a spirit speaking through him. And so it says he said this to Jesus, check this out. Verse eight tells us why he said this, because Jesus stepped ashore. And the moment Jesus stepped ashore into this man's life, he saw him and started a war. And it says he called out before the man ever ran to him. He saw him and said, come out of him, you unclean spirit. And then he rebuked the spirit in him. And that's why he came and threw himself down. So then it says Jesus asked the man, what is your name? And he answered and said, my name is Legion, for we are many. Also, he begged him earnestly that he would not send him out of the country or region. He says, do not send us to the abyss, the demonic spirit said. Let us stay in the region. You can have the man, but let us stay here. And so Jesus uh, you know, listen, it says, verse 11, now a large herd of swine was feeding near in the mountains. So all the demons begged him saying, send us to the swine, put us in the pigs that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. There were about 2,000. How many guys know that's a whole lot of bacon? Okay. And the herd ran violently down the place into the sea and they drowned in the sea. How many guys know that those assets were quickly liquidated? I'll be here all day. So those who fed the swine fled, and they told them in the city and the countryside all that had taken place to these swine and this dude. And they went out to see what it was that had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and that he had, who had had the legion of demons sitting clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. They were like, oh, my goodness. And those who told them, they told them all of how it had happened. They told them about the man. Check this out. And the pigs. They told them about the man, freedom, and the pigs, the cost, Right? Their, their, their economic engine that had just been liquidated in but moments, belly up. How many guys know that's pork belly for you, right? And then he began to plead with him. They began to plead with Jesus, depart from our region, man. You can't stay here. We're, we're, it's too much. Verse 18, when he got into the boat, the one who had been demon-possessed begged him, come on, man, don't leave me here with these people. Anybody? So, you ever become a Christian? You're like, don't leave me here with these people, you know? 
However, Jesus did not permit him. He said to him, come on, man, go back to your friends and your family. Tell them all the great things the Lord has done for you and how he's had compassion on you. So he went and departed and began to proclaim it in the Decapolis, which just means the 10 cities. Decapolis, it was 10 cities around this area that was known as the, the place of the Decapolis, where the Gadarenes. And uh, it said, this is argued where it was the, you know, the, the prodigal son who was a Jew who found himself in the midst of a pig farm. And he got, came to his senses when he's like, man, maybe I should just eat the pig food. Then he came to his senses, man, if I went back to my father's house, he'd accept me. This is about a day's journey around the Sea of Galilee, Capernaum, where they are. There's about a day's journey around there where the, the city of the 10 cities, was, it was Gentile, like non-Jewish kind of people that occupied this area. And so this is where he began to share his story and, and tell him, told everyone about all that Jesus had done for him. And all who heard him, it says, marveled. They all marveled. Would you begin to pray with me for a moment? Would you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us here today? Father, I thank you so much for what it is that you're going to speak to us. I thank you so much for the opportunity to be here in Vancouver and the West Coast. God, I thank you that destiny, the purpose, and, and, and just the calling that you have for each and every person here. Father, I pray that there be not one who falls short of what you've called them to. Not one that would grow discouraged or, or, or grow weary in doing good. God, I pray that you would cause each and every person here to, to, to overcome and to see the fullness of the reward that you have for them when it comes to their calling. I pray that every single person here, God, would, would obtain the prize of the upper call in Christ Jesus and see them and see your influence just increase and their, develop, their, their destinies developed across this place. In Jesus' name, and, uh, and Father, we pray for Team Canada today. We pray that they would completely smash Guyana in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 It's only right. It's only proper. Hey, you know what? Uh, I'd love to give you five points quickly with the time that we have together. And uh, as a preacher, I, I'm always long-winded, and so my time is short, just like the devil, so we're going to have to like, be swift here today. So I'll give you five real high-level points to try to encourage some people to stay the course in your life when it comes to the area of your calling. Again, you know what it is to live a saved life, but it's an entirely different thing to live a called life, to live a life on mission, to live a life where you're not just saved, but you're, you realize that God saved us for service. You are saved to serve. And I pray that we'd be freedom fighters, if you will, because there are people that you rub shoulders with every single day, beating your friends, your family, academia, and student body, at work, that need the hope that you have. I pray that we'd never be closet Christians, but that we'd be vocal about what it is and proud about what it is that we believe in. To know that we have a hope that can bring answers to people. And so, if you're going to be found a freedom fighter, bringing freedom not only to your own life, but to the lives of those around you, let's look at the, how Jesus did it and the process he kind of endured and gleaned some insight from it. Would, would you do that with me? If you're going to Bring freedom to your friends. Bring freedom to your people and obtain the reward of the prize of the upper call in your life. You can expect this number of things. You're going to have to do this. Number one, you're going to have to take a step out of your comfort zone. You're going to have to step out of your comfort zone. I remember years ago, a new Christian, uh, I, was su I was that guy that was super zealous, hey? Uh, I mean, not much has changed. Uh, people would still kind of label me really intense and a little bit like not sure what to expect at any given time. I'm the guy where anything could happen and it likely will, okay? But... Uh, I remember as a brand new Christian, kind of outworking my faith, I was really zealous and wanted to share my faith with a lot of people. And so I, we started to have these prayer meetings, hey. And uh, as we began to gather, I remember we'd have these, like, long-winded prayer meetings of these young people, which is really, it was definitely different. It wasn't, you know, a move of God's happening when young people want to pray. And so we just got together and pray and pray and pray, and we'd just be praying for a move of God to take place. And I never forget the Holy Spirit whispering into my spirit one day. He says, hey, listen, man. He's like, why don't you place yourself in the position of your own prayers and go be an answer to it? I got a guy waiting for you down the road at this such and such a bar. Go. And I, I, basically, I got a, a divine appointment for you. Go meet up with this guy. I want you to share your story with him. So I'll, remember, I'll never forget. I was like, man, this is crazy. 
I'm like, I'm hearing voices. You know, this is the Christian schizophrenia phase where you're like, am I really, is that you, God, or is that the pepperoni pizza I ate last night, you know? And this is that moment where I just said, you know what, I'm just going to throw myself on the good graces of God. I'm going to trust this leading of the Spirit. I'm just going to go with it. I'm going to see what happens. And I can't encourage you enough to step out of that comfort zone. Because this is the thing. I think that sometimes we can be like, oh, it's just easier to sit behind a computer desk or to sit in a prayer meeting. And there's nothing wrong with prayer. But I think sometimes we can hide behind that stuff. Like, yeah, God, you know, we're going to pray and you're just going to do it. But I'm not going to have to put myself in any uncomfortable situations. And, uh, and so I decided, you know, I'm going to go with it. I ran down the street. Rocked into this bar. I felt like I was wearing a cape. I like threw up the door like Seinfeld Kramer, you know? I'm like, man of power, here for the hour, you know? Like, like here I am. And uh, I'll never forget, I looked around the bar like, surely God's got all kinds of people with me. And there's like zero people in the bar. It was closing hour. It was closing time. The song was playing, you know? And uh, I looked around. I was super disappointed. I was like, man, I missed it. I was like, geez, God, I thought that was you. And lo and behold, uh, I decided quickly to, to just change gears. Like, well, you know what? I'm going to, I do have to kind of, I have to go. Let's go to the throne room. Let's go to the bathroom for a moment. So I went to the throne room to, to convene with God, you know? And uh, in a moment, he cleansed me of all my unrighteousness. No, I'm kidding. That was too far. I'm sorry, Justin. No damage control. Um, I'll never forget the whisper of the Holy Spirit in that, in that bathroom that day. He, he whispered into my ear. He's like, no, man, go back out there. I've got someone for you. I'm like, there's nobody here. I'm disappointed. I missed it. I put myself out there. I'm like, I'm never doing that again. And I walk out of the bar, and sure enough, over up on the ledge at this, this sports area where they watch all the football screens, there's this one guy leaning up against the bar. And I go up, and lo and behold, who is it but a guy that in my last year of high school, I shared my faith with over and over again. One guy in the whole restaurant, he turns around and goes, Caleb Davidson? Haven't seen each other in like years. He's like, what are you doing here? And I was like, I was hoping that you could answer that. And he goes, like overly Spiro there for a moment, you know? I was like, I was hoping you could answer that because I was in a prayer meeting, you see? And I, it was like this moment where God was like, and God spoke to me. I'm like, you know why I'm here, don't you? And he goes, and kid you not, you're thinking that's super weird to say. Get this. This guy looks at me. He gets super aggressive. He goes, what? He slams the table down, his hand down on the table. He goes, are you one of those born-again Christians, man? And I'm like, well, you'd know. I shared my faith with you over and over again last year of high school. You know. And he goes, oh. And he puts his hand in his, in his fist, like, you know, into his mouth. And he's like, oh. He's like, this is too much, man. And I kid you not. The guy's lip begins to quiver. His eyes are full of tears. He starts crying. Like a football player, huge dude, like too cool for school to be showing this kind of emotion in front of another brother, right? And he's getting super emotional. He goes, this is getting too much. My best friend, my drinking drug part buddy every Friday and Saturday for the last 12 years, bro. He's like, he just became one of these born-again Christians. He went to some church here in the city, and he's been after me for two weeks, and I'm lonely because, man, I got no one to go party with anymore. And he's like, uh. He goes, and now you. I was like, bro, sounds like somebody's got your number, man. And I was like, all right. And uh, he looks back at me, and he goes, man, what the heck? And I was like, sit down. I want to talk to you. So I ended up sharing the gospel with him. Tell him about the love of Jesus, the difference he's made in my life once again. And I'm like, bro, you need to come back and meet some Christians. They're not all as crazy as me. You know, like, I get it. I, but you need to come back and meet some other normal ones, you know, because I'm like, they're awesome people. You need to come. And we're just down the street at this church having a prayer meeting. He's like, you're praying? Like, who does that? Like, who are you? And I was like, come on, man. And so we get in his car, because I walked, obviously. And he gets in the car. He turns the ignition onto his, his, his uh, vehicle. And lo and behold, what starts blaring out of his, his radio system or his speaker system is Chris Tomlin. Chris Tomlin, for those of you who don't know, is one of the most, you know, celebrated and famous Christian songwriters there is. And this song starts pouring, like worship music starts pouring out of his vehicle. And he looks at me and he goes, he's, he yelled. He's like, you see? 
and he slams his head against my chest, and I was like, ah. And he goes, yeah, I can't escape this stuff, man. He's like, what in the world? And I, and I got I to be honest with you. Even I myself, as a born-again believer, was like, whoa, this is crazy. And I was like, this is unreal. And he came back with his head. And I, you know what? I got to tell you something. That was like life-changing for me. I don't know what it, it was good for me. Was it good for you? I don't know about him. But the reality is I know about what I, my experience was, how that established and built my faith. Because I experienced this part of God that I would never have, ex- have experienced had I not stepped out of my comfort zone. You know, you'll never experience the spectacular living as a spectator. It's about time we put ourselves on the field and started playing this game called Christianity instead of just knowing all the rules and, and call, calling all the shots from our headquarters and, a, and nice comfy seats here in church. What if we got out there in the trenches and we stepped out of our comfort zones and we're willing to step out and leave the things behind that can so often keep us in our comfort zones? You know, what's interesting about this story is Capernaum. It literally means Capernaum, village of comfort what it means. Interestingly enough, it's where Jesus is recorded in the Synoptic Gospels as performing 18 of 33 of the recorded miracles in the, in, the, in the Gospels. 18 of 33 were performed in this city. It's also the place where in Matthew 9, 1, it says that Jesus actually established his house. After he, he many of you know, he grew up in Nazareth, in this small, like, can anything good come out of Nazareth? You know that story, right? He comes out of Nazareth, but when he starts his actual ministry here on earth in his hashtag believe tour, yeah, Basically, what happens is he finds himself, come on, thank you. you just, I'm not going to go home insecure today. Um, and you know, the reality is he, he starts his belief tour, and basically, as you know, he's based out of Capernaum. It's where he lived. In Mark chapter 2, you see the story of where the guys ripped the roof, the Fantastic Four bring their friend. They ripped the, the roof off the house to get their friend to Jesus. Well, how many guys know that was Jesus' house? You know, many of his scholars argue that that was his house, that he was living with Peter's mother-in-law. And that they're all kind of bunking in and communal. There was just this place where they kind of set up shop to work from. And Matthew 11, it says that Jesus was so despondent about what had taken place in Capernaum. He says, guys, I have sown so much, and yet I have seen so little. Because isn't that the nature of comfort? Comfort is where we get blessed with the best. We're at the ease and no resistance. The place where comfort is designed to alleviate pressure. It's designed to alleviate discomfort. <laughs> Hence comfort, Right? And so it says that he had sown much but seen little. And therefore, in Matthew 11, he had to pronounce a curse over Capernaum because he says this. He says, if the miracles that had performed in this city had been performed in Lot, like Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have surely repented and changed and uh, come into alignment with God. But you guys, he's like, what in the world? And so he basically, you know, I think that's the nature of comfort because nature, the nature of comfort, comfort will always cater a complacent spirit. And here's the thing, you pose no threat to the enemy when you're all comfy and we're sitting up here in our nice and incredible churches and that's obviously not, again, I'm being generalizing, but I am trying to get at a certain kind of spirit here. I'm trying to to speak to a certain kind of person here that is too comfortable in what they're, they're wrapped up in. To step out of that comfort zone, to be willing to leave, it says, the crowds behind. See, the thing about Jesus was he was more cloud sensitive, Holy Spirit sensitive, than he was crowd sensitive. He, he didn't play to the crowd. He didn't play to the critics. He didn't care what people thought. He left literally 18 to 33 miracles, the most pinnacle of his success. Most people would want to camp on that mountain. And he leaves it behind in pursuit of a man, it says, that he could hear crying across the Galilee uh, Lake, the Lake, Lake of Galilee, in the Gadarenes. It was crying out night and day. How many of you guys know I pray that we'd forsake our comfort for sake of our calling? And that we'd allow the needs of humanity to be heard enough to a 
grab a hold of us, to captivate us, to understand that what we got here at Vivid Church is powerful. It can change the world. If 12 dudes back in 2,000 years ago can have the effect, of the, how, what could we do here, now here in the great land of Canada, to have dominion from sea to sea? Come on, somebody. So he stepped out of his comfort zone. He forsook his comfort for the sake of his calling. And I'm here to tell somebody here today that if you're going to be used mightily by God to bring freedom into the life of your friends and family, sometimes you're going to have to step out of your comfort zone. You're going to have to put yourself in the position to say something at work when that conversation comes up. You're going to step out of that, that, that quiet little corner and say, you know what, I actually want something. You should come to church and maybe just, it'll be enough just to invite someone to church. You do the reaching, Justin will do the preaching, you know. Just get them here. Because the reality is that we have an opportunity. And I pray that if you're going to live a cold life, you'd get a hold of that. I have no idea what time I'm supposed to be done, by the way. So you just, okay, cool. Uh, number two, second thing I want to encourage you to do if you're going to live a cold life is to expect conflict and opposition. By the way, if any preacher just tells you to have fun when you're preaching, guys, I hope you got the good next three hours. Okay, we're going to have fun here today. But hey, if you're going to live cold, expect conflict and expect opposition. You know, I think it's hilarious sometimes. People get signed up in our church. Not here because everyone I know, they're all polishing your halos. You're all very spiritual people and you're all good. But back in Ottawa where they're still working out their salvation, you know what I'm saying? Um, it's amazing. You know, it's amazing, isn't it? People sign up and they're like, man, I started to give. And it's like my, my finances went to hell in a handbasket, man. It's like, this is ridiculous. I started to serve Jesus. And it's like, man, it's like I'm having trouble with me and my wife are fighting more than ever just to try to get to church. It's incredible. I was like, man, every time I want to go to church, there's like a white squall of snow outside. Like, what is going on? You know, there's serving God things a, a lot, you know. And it'll be the first thing off the old chopping block. You got it, your life's full everywhere else, but church is going to be the thing because it's like church is... Jesus, man, this is, I don't know. And, and I think that, you know, sometimes I think that we can think if we start serving God, we step out of our comfort zone and actually align ourselves with the mission that God has for us, that, that somehow the devil's going to grab us by the hand, guys, and walk us into our destiny. <laughs> that we're not going to have any kind of pushback or resistance. And I just want to help some people here who may find themselves like a little bit uh, unaware of the fact that you've joined and enlist yourself into the greatest army there is. And yes, we know there's going to be some battles. We've already won the war. It says so at the back. You know, if you go to the back in the index, we got this thing, okay? But my point is simple, is that if you're going to bring freedom to your friends, there's a very real devil in a very real, real spiritual realm that we need to be aware of. And I don't want to be overly spiritual. But yeah, something that your pastor said to me yesterday is like, but we also don't want to undermine and undersell being under-spiritual to ignore what is obvious, you know, here's what I've learned. The moment you choose to advance, you can expect adversity. With advancement, always will come adversity. Because the moment you launch out, you can trust that the enemy's going to lash out. And why would he do so? Because he isn't going to assist you into your destiny. He's going to resist you at the point of your destiny. So that you stay where you are and stay complacent and stay comfortable because the devil doesn't want the freedom that you have. I mean, think about it on a, on a logical level. You know, when we get to the, you know, when the allies stormed Normandy, they had to what? They literally had to take it by storm. It was a, it was a firestorm, wasn't it? Well, in this story, we see Jesus beginning to go to the other side, and what happens? A physical storm begins to squall and beat against their boat, try to drown them. They begin to, the disciples freak out, going, oh, my God, this serving Jesus thing. God, don't you care about my welfare? Here's the thing, is that if you're going to come to the fullness of your calling, you're going to have to realize, just like they did, that you're going to have to take it by storm. It ain't going to come easy. But here's the promise that you have. Here's the hope that we have. We don't have to be scared or intimidated by what the enemy would throw at us. you got to remember that Jesus is in your boat. 
and that we don't do these things alone. We journey with Jesus, friend. And he has already gone before us in this scripture and shown us that he is victorious. And therefore, if he is for us, what can be against us? We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. We got this thing. And I came here to encourage somebody that though it looks like your, your life, your world may be going to hell in a handbasket, stay the line, stay the path, and stay the course in Jesus' name because Jesus is with you. And you might not feel him in his presence. You might like feel like in this case, he had to get woke. He was asleep to the things going on in your life. And the disciples woke him with their needs. They said, Jesus, don't you care that we're drowning? And aren't you amazed what Jesus did? He was in the stern of the boat and he stood in the stern and rebuked the storm. What does that mean? Sometimes you need to learn from Jesus what he did in the face of a storm. Jesus had his head, I said, on a pillow, asleep. What does the pillow represent? Well, the first time a pillow is mentioned in scripture, scholars, theologians would tell us the law first mention of something in the Bible is offering us the true meaning or what that thing would symbolize and, and what the meaning of that thing would represent. You, you can glean from that. The first time a pillow is mentioned in the Bible, Genesis 28 with, with Jacob running to Haran, remember, from Haran, and he's, he's in this place called Luz, which was Bethel, but he, anyways, you get what I'm saying. He turned into Bethel. He had his head on a rock, which is a pillow. And it says he put his head on the rock of our salvation. He rested his head on the rock of our Jesus, the finished work of Jesus. And it says that God came to him in a dream and spoke a word of promise. I, I promise you, Jacob, that you're in this hard season, a hard night of the soul, between a rock and a hard place if you want. And God comes to him in that place, in that valley, in that dark night of the soul, and he declares his promise, his word of promise. I'm going to bring you full circle back to this place, and you will walk on it. You will, you will have victory over it, in other words. And he says promise of a couple things. Presence, God's presence will be with you. In other words, Jesus is in your boat. He says, hey, I'm going to give you my presence, my protection, and my provision, and I will bring you full circle back to this and give you victory. What does the pillow then represent? It represents the word of God's promise to if he brought you to it, he'll bring you through it. So Jesus stands up from a place of rest where he is resting at ease and trusting the finished word of God's promise in his life that it, nothing can stand against him. And he stands up and he defeats the enemy with a pillow fight. He defeats him in one foul swoop. And what does it say he did? He stood in the stern of the boat and rebuked the resistance because sometimes like Jesus you need to follow his example and use the word of God and take a stern stand against the resistance and declare God's word of promise and see to it that now this will not stand against me nothing formed no weapon formed against me shall prosper for this is the inheritance of the servants of the Lord why because their righteousness comes from me the enemy has, has no chance against the saints of God the enemy can throw his little you know poop storm at us but the reality is we can stand true on the word of God's promise and see victory and bring it to the other side he gets the other side Immediately says he comes to the other side and he steps ashore. And you guys best believe the moment Jesus steps into a region, the moment God's going to, you know, what's amazing about your pastors is their, their heart to keep expanding the vision of this house. And I love your locations. You're taking on new, not just new, new, uh, new communities, new regions, new cities. And you can expect that when you want a region, you're going to face your legion. If you want a legion, you're going to face your legion. It says a demoniac man ran and it says met him at the shore. That word met him. 
to meet him in the original language. It's a military term describing one who comes to meet their opponent in battle. And the word legion is also a military term. It was a Roman military term describing six, three to 6,000 foot soldiers. And it says, for we are many. What is that really telling us here today? Is that when, you when we are going to advance into what God has for us and start to occupy new territory, this is a war, this is a turf war. This is the ultimate gangster turf war. This is where Jesus, the ultimate, the OG, okay, steps into this territory and he declares war against the enemy and the lives of the people of that place. And it says three to 6,000 demonic foot soldiers stand up against him. What is that a picture of? That this is just like the beaches of Normandy. It's heavily guarded and bunk we're dug in, but how many of you guys know they're already done in? The only one who could subdue them has just arrived. And so what does, he, what is, what does the demonic force say to him? He says, oh, shoot. So we're done. No, he says this. He goes, man, darn it. This is basically a paraphrase Caleb style of what just took place. The storm couldn't stop them. Shoot. All right. Now that you're here, I realize that we stand no chance against you. Let's make a deal. You can have the guy, but let us stay in the region. Why do they want the region? Because this is what it's about. We have come to occupy a region. We've come to bring freedom to people. And basically, this is the enemy's version of a plea deal. If he can't stop you through the storms, because the storm is designed to stop you and to send you back to comfort zone, where you put your feet up and go, oh, that's more like it, waiting for you to come back, Jesus. But if you want to get into the trenches like Jesus did and truly be a freedom fighter for those in your world to bring hope and help to people, you got to understand the enemy's going to oppose you and resist you at every turn, and he's going to meet you like an opponent meets someone in battle. And it's going to have many different faces. It can feel like it's going to come from many different sides. And you're going to go from one battle on the storm to another battle on the, on the shore. And you're going to think to yourself, oh my goodness, can I keep this up? Can we keep pushing against? It just feels like I'm constantly getting pushed back. And it's coming many from many different angles. and has many different faces and many different names. Come on, put it in the place. What's the name of yours? What is it that's come against you? What is the things that have been trying to stand up and intimidate you to push you back into the waters and send you back to the place of complacency and back into the places of your comfort zone? Vivid church you got to understand you signed up for a war, and if you want to step out, you can launch out. You're going to get a lash back to a level. And this is where, number three, you got to fight the urge to compromise and to settle. Fight the urge to compromise and to settle. You know, in court cases, I've seen it over and over again. There are people who, whether innocent or guilty, begin the litigation process in hearings to, to pursue a trial to win a court case where they are winning and fighting for their rights. How many of you guys know that's us? We are fighting for our rights to see freedom because freedom has been bought and there's too many people living unaware of it. And we are there to be an advocate for them. And here's the deal. It says that just like in court cases, many times people will come to a point of settlement in a litigation process. And they will settle not because they're wrong, they're innocent or guilty. It doesn't matter which side of the fence you fall on, they'll settle oftentimes because the cost incurred with pursuing the trial is just so great to say, you know what, that's good enough. And I wonder if the enemy in his plea deal, even though he knows he's done and stands no chance against you because there is nothing that can stand against you. There is no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You have the authority here today as the saints of believers of God to send the devil packing here in Vancouver. But I wonder if he's at all give you enough pushback that you would actually entertain a settlement deal. Say, fine, I'm good with just this one. But you can stay in the region and dock. Yeah, cool, that's cool. And see, here's the deal. It's a plea deal. 
I wonder if you'll settle for less than God's best in your life. I wonder if you'll settle for less than what God is desiring to do in this place. And this never grow satisfied with what you've seen yet. It's just the beginning. Next point I want to encourage you to consider is to count the cost. I pray that the, the high, a high cost would never deter you from your high call. Never allow a high cost to deter you from a high call. The reality is, he said, Paul says, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call. There's a reward. There's such a reward. And if you'll endure the cross, Jesus endured the cross for the hope, the joy, the reward set before him. There are people on the other side of that sacrifice. And I pray that we'd never lose sight and, ex and expose ourselves to the need because we're so comforted and we're so caught up in, the, in our little friend circle here at church that we never hear the cries of lonely people in this city. And we hear the cries of people fighting anguish and anxiety or maybe a level of fear or whatever the dark things that they may be wrestling with. I pray that we'd have ears to hear. Count the cost. It's interesting. When you look at this story, it's a high cost. And serving Jesus comes with that. There's a level where the enemy wants to meet you and intimidate you. I remember uh, leading up to the days of, of Hillsong Ottawa's launch. On the eve of our launch, the, literally the Friday night of the Sunday, Sunday, Hillsong is launching in Canada. <laughs> what happens? But a actual, like, Oklahoma-style weather forecasting. We had three tornadoes touch down in Ottawa. And in Ottawa's history, we've never had a tornado. We had three come through and wipe out, like, 200-some homes. It was devastation. It was a state of emergency. And there's never been, to this point, in Ottawa's history, the mayor literally said, Ottawa's, in Ottawa's history, we've never seen anything like it. This is by far the most damage that we've ever incurred as, as a city. It is crazy. And what took place from there is... It's interesting to me that it was the only place. That's their storm, isn't it? It's just before the shore of you stepping into your promise. You're met with this storm to try to stop us from meeting. Well, thankfully, our venue the year prior had set up a power grid for our venue to be put on a different power grid from the city. And get this, get this. Our venue, what we launched in, was the only venue in the whole city with operating power. Because how many guys know the enemy tried to knock our lights out and punch us right in the purpose? But how many guys know Hillsong Ottawa was where the power was? And how many guys know that your life, the enemy's going to try to punch you in the purpose, he's going to try to knock your lights out? But how many guys know he stands no chance because Jesus is in your boat and therefore you are where the power is? You know, a week prior to our launch, my kids started in school. And I sent my little man Judah and his sister, and we put them on the bus. This is like all leading up to the launch of Hillsong Ottawa. There was like a crazy amount of pushback. And I remember the Lord led me to this scripture. And the reason I bring it to you is because of the advancement that you guys are bringing to this city. I just want to encourage somebody here to say, ah, 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 don't get your eyes on the wrong thing. Remember who's in your boat. Because here's what happens. I've heard stories. I hear about babies gone through complications and families getting hit where it hurts the most. You want to know why the enemy said, let us go to the swine? Does anyone else think about this? Why did, why did, he, why did he not pick the stray cat in the tombs? Because you know that cats are of the devil anyway, so, right? <laughs> the reality is that why did he pick the pigs? Well, one, it was an unclean animal. That's interesting. The other thing is, this is said to be the place where the prodigal son had his riotous living and where Jews, scholars argue this, it says that Jews were often uh, joined a black market because it was Gentiles, it was non-Jewish people that lived there. So backslidden Jews who gave up 
being devout to God, would go here, live riotously, raising pigs to profit from it. And it says that they were actually the ones in charge of some of these herds. And so you could ask yourself, why would Jesus permit and make a deal with the devil and allow him to do it? Well, Jesus is, this is clever. Because why did the enemy want the pigs? Because if these were Jews profiting from it, these 2,000 pigs would have represented an economic engine of that whole region. They would have, that was millions of dollars worth of pig. That's a lot of bacon. Okay? So why did the enemy choose that? Because, hey man, if Jesus is here and I can't stop him, then I'm going to hit these people where it hurts the most. So if I hit them hard enough and I intimidate and strike fear in their hearts, they'll reject Jesus and throw him out of the region. And what do we see in the scriptures? Exactly. See, the enemy is a low blow. He tries to hit you where it hurts the most. He tries to hit you with the things that you value the most. And you start to serve God, and you're thinking, what is going on? Why am I arguing with my mom? Or why did this thing take place in my life? And you're thinking, what? And you're, well, you don't have your spiritual senses attuned enough to realize, whoa, just wait a second. I don't want to be overly spiritual. I don't want to read in things. But hey, it's odd, ironic, ironic, the timing of everything, isn't it? It was like, bam, this one thing happened in my life. And we, we literally got home from Australia. Brian Houston says, you're going to be able to song. And I'm like, whoa, get home. Boom, right in the purpose. Then the storm happens. I'm like, what? And then I send my daughter and my son to school. He gets on the bus and they get home off the bus and only one steps off the bus. Judah gets off the bus and he, my wife's filming. I'm going, hey, buddy, welcome home. And he's all flushed. He goes, mommy, they lost Abby. And she's like, what? She goes to the thing with the video camera and the, the bus driver and the bus driver goes, no, no, no. It's just a misunderstanding. Don't worry. Your husband went to the school and I guess she had something with him. He came and picked her up off the bus and took her home. She goes, excuse me. I just left my husband at staff meeting on the other side of the city to get here on time to pick my kids up. He was not at the school. Well, I'm sorry, ma'am. It was your husband. He came and said it was him. It looked like him. He came and took Abby off the school bus and took her home. My wife freaks out. She goes, kill him. Did you just get, were you at the school? Did you go with the guys to pick up Abby for some reason? I was like, no, I'm just a staff. You just left me, babe. She goes, a man posing as you has just taken our daughter. And they, I was like, what? I'd like to tell you that I was overly spiritual and I was picture perfect person of the pastor, you know, pastor moment, you know, picture perfect people of the planet. No. I was like, ah, punched a hole through a wall. It was like, ah, fell on my knees, absolutely winded. I've never been punched so hard on the purpose. I was like, oh my goodness, what in the world is happening? 45 minutes go by. 45 minutes go by, we fly to the school and sure enough, a bus pulls up 45 minutes after they had departed from the school and drop off my daughter. It's crazy. The next day we're debriefing. We're like, oh, Abby, it's we're like, oh. I was traumatized. I was literally traumatized. I didn't know how to tell you. It's crazy when you think the worst has taken place in your life. Fear and intimidation, a tactic of the enemy, right? And I, we get, on the, get home and the next day we debrief with the principal. The principal goes, we are so sorry. We're like, listen, have a seat in my office. Come, listen, this is what happened. Our kindergarten teachers grabbed Abby, brought her out of the classroom. I guess Judah was in the bus and saw that she was going past their bus, and so he made a stink to the bus driver saying, my sister's being put on the wrong bus. And so the bus driver grabbed a teacher, said, hey, can you go get Abby Davidson? She's been put on this bus up there. The teacher went by the bus that she was actually placed on, went to the bus ahead of that bus, asked for Abby. The bus driver looked back at her and said, yeah, Abby, like brown hair. And they're like, yeah, that's her. And she's like, Abby Davidson, do you know? And like, Abby, the guy says, Abby. He's like, yeah. He goes, yeah, her father just came and picked her up off the bus. Lo and behold, there is actually an Abby that was on that bus whose father came and picked her up. Broke absolute protocol on that. You have to send them out of the office. 
but happened. Takes her off and basically gets back. And long and short of it is that basically the teacher says to me, she came back from that bus, came back to Judah's bus, said, no, your daddy came and picked her up. It's all good. You'll see her at home. When he gets home and realizes what had taken place, and we get told a man posing of myself has taken my daughter. And, the, and she goes, we are so sorry. And she says this, she literally says this word. It was the perfect storm. I had just preached this message the Sunday prior. I'm like, of course. The perfect storm to try to distract and to take away from and intimidate to make me not want to pay the price to attain the prize. There's always a, there's a prize, but there's a price. Thank God that Christ has gone before us and already paid it. But how many of you guys know we are going to share in his sufferings? There's a process to every promise. And in this case, it tried to intimidate us. It did for the people that were in the region. They said, Jesus, we're just too much. We see the pigs and the loss, the cost. We don't want this. But no doubt, we're not diminishing the freedom that it brought. You know, I wonder if the freedom, you know, I think that we can often get intimidated by the cost. You know, wonder why? Wonder why? It's because we've never tasted the reward ourselves. All these people saw was sacrifice. But the man who experienced the reward of freedom, guess what he did? Begged Jesus, let me follow you. Let me do this. Is there anybody here who has tasted the reward of the sacrifice of Jesus? See, that reward, until you've tasted of his grace, friend, you, all you'll see is sacrifice. But it's incredible. Once you've tasted of the freedom that Jesus brings you, I pray that we'd bring and be advocates, ambassadors of that freedom to the people in our world. This guy begs him, come on, man, let me go with you. And he basically turns back and says, I want you to stay here. I want to tell everybody of the compassion of God's compassion on you. Tell them everything that I've done for you. And so the guy wanted to love, love him. No, he wanted to leave him. And isn't that the case? The people that we run with when we become Christians, we, we isolate ourselves in the groups we used to run with. We have our little Christian cliches and we stop staying in the crowds and the places and the spaces that God won us from. And I think there's wisdom to be said about that. If it has more influence on you than you do on it, then there's something to be said of you. But Jesus looked at this guy and said, I'm not going to take you out of it. I want you to know why, because I took it out of you. I want you to stay. And so he stays and says a story. Jesus, like a gentleman, is not welcomed. He moves on and goes to the next city. But that man went and told everybody and all who heard his story marveled. Can I just say that what is God has done in your life is not to be set, it's not to be silenced. Some of you are looking like, well, I'm not that guy, I'm not this guy. Honestly, some of you guys might have a clean history. That's a testimony worth saying. Do you know some Jesus has the best testimony and never sinned once. Because a testimony is not what God has saved you from. It's the revelation of who you know God to be. That's your testimony. And you guys know a side of God that your world is desperately looking for. And I pray that we'd be the people who would step out of our comfort zone, expect conflict and opposition, would fight the urge to settle and to compromise, count the cost, and would fifthly stay the course. You know, this man stayed in Mark chapter 7. This is Mark chapter 5 where we are. In Mark chapter 7, I'm not sure how much time had transpired, but Jesus comes back to that same Decapolis, that same region, and it says that because of that man's evangelism, a maniac turned missionary who went out and started telling the world about the good grace and the good God that he'd encountered, it says all kinds of people started coming. They started bringing their, their sick and their disabled and their handicapped to Jesus, and he healed all who were brought to him in that very region, and the church was established. See, there's a reward, you see. What was the reward? The gatherings, the place of reward, and the reward was seeing the people won. Freedom brought about. Because some guys said, you know what? It'd be easier for me to leave them and then love them. 
It'd be easier for me to move on and to give up and to throw my feet. I'm good, so they can start it out. But aren't you grateful for a Jesus who embraced that stretch and stretched out his arms and said, it's not good enough for me to have freedom. I'm here to win freedom for you. I stepped out of heaven, my comfort. I came a little bit lower than the angels and got all kinds of opposition and conflict. I fought the urge to compromise and to settle in the Garden of Gethsemane and sweat blood and submitted, admitted the stretch, but submit to the struggle. I went and paid the ultimate cost and the ultimate price on the cross and allowed freedom for others to kill me, literally. And now because he stayed the course, he's exalted a little bit higher than everybody else. And he's got scores of people across humanity that are coming to God in newfound freedom. And he's experienced the fullness of the reward of living a called life. Is there anybody out there who has questioned your calling? Call me. Maybe. I pray that you'd have the courage and the tenacity to stay the course and say hello from the other side. That today you'd be the one who would experience the fullness of what God has for you and not settle short than what God's best for your life. Today God loves you, friend. And I prophesy over you, vivid church. May God, like this man, may you be used to bring many people from this world, bring the, the sick, the crippled, those in need of desperate healing and forgiveness of God into this house so they may experience Jesus. Those, the same Jesus they, they once rejected will be the same Jesus that you've been called to bring freedom in. Who knows? Maybe Jesus couldn't read, but through you, because of your story, because of your past, because of your positioning, you have the ability to reach them. May God do incredible things through you in this next season and advance you. But I pray that you'd stay the course in Jesus' name. Come on, anybody out there say amen with me? Come on, amen. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.